So let's pray, and then we'll get started. Thank you, Father, for this time. Holy Spirit, bless us. Give us ears to hear, hearts ready to receive your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So I have a question for you. Have you ever noticed how committed of a people we are as Americans? Have you ever noticed how committed of a people we are as Americans? Webster's Dictionary defines commitment this way. Commitment is a promise to do or give something. A promise to be a promise to be loyal to someone or something. So commitment is a word that we are all familiar with, right? Some of us are committed to our jobs, you know. We will never miss a day of job, a day of work. And we are committed to not necessarily the work, but to the money, right? Uh, some of us are committed to the gym. I remember I used to be, I, I would never miss a workout. And every time I talk to Arturo, uh, he never misses a workout either. He's always coming to the race, sweaty, stinky, and uh, he, gives us, he gives me great motivation. Some of us are committed to school, right? You know, you can't miss class. You miss class, then you're going to miss what's, what the teacher was talking about. Some of us are committed, which I hope you are, are committed to your marriage. Now, that's one thing I think you, be, you should uh, be committed to is your marriage. While others are committed to their favorite sports teams and TV shows. You know, we even have uh, devices now that can record the TV show or the football game or basketball game or whatever when you're not around. And you're not going to be able to watch it. We all, however, are committed to something or someone. All of us. The great Packers coach Vince Lombardi once said, individual commitment to a group effort, that is what makes a team work, a company work, a society work, a civilization work. And in some ways, that quote is true. Is it not? The more the individual commits to the whole group, the teammates as well as the team, the better the overall health of the team will be. When one is committed to preserve the morale, the health, and chemistry of the team, the more the team will flourish. And if you've ever, had a, have you ever been on a sports team, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. So friends, ask yourselves, and genuinely ask yourselves, on a scale from 1 to 10, how committed are you to God's team? How committed are you to God's team? On a scale from 1 to 10, how many say 3? How many say 5? How many say 7? How many say 8? How many say 9? Ray, thank you. So I'm guessing, are you guys all a 10 out of 10? Is everyone a 10 out of 10? So one, two. How many of you don't like voting? Oh, okay. All right. Well, after the debate Monday night, I can see why. So that's great. Um, but ask yourselves, on a scale from one to 10, how committed are you to God's team? But let's get more 
in depth with that. How committed are you to Reformation Bible Church? Okay, how committed are you to Reformation Bible Church? And it seems like the majority of us are members here. So I'm just going to talk to the members. How committed are you to this church? Over the past few Wednesdays, we've been focusing on what it means to be a healthy church member. Uh, We've learned that healthy church members grow in Christ. They are devoted to prayer. They seek church discipline. Healthy church members are a biblical evangelist. And two weeks ago, we learned that a healthy church members are genuinely converted. Okay, genuinely converted. So keeping along with the theme of a healthy church member, tonight, I want to propose that a healthy church member is a committed member. Okay? A healthy church member is a committed member. To be a healthy church member, you must be a committed member. But before we can define what a healthy, what a committed healthy church member looks like, we have to ask, are you committed to Christ? Before we can even touch If we are committed to the local church, we have to ask ourselves and we have to examine if we truly are committed to Jesus Christ. Because all of this, all of you, all of your commitment to the local church flows out of your commitment to Christ. Right. So let's first ask, have you trusted in Christ and him alone for your salvation? If you have done that, if you have trusted in Christ alone for uh, for your salvation, raise your hand. Okay, praise God. That is wonderful. Have you committed and placed all of your faith in Jesus Christ alone? You know, thank you, Ray, but I didn't ask for hands. Um, Friends, as you know, we can't earn our way to God, right? We cannot earn our way to God. In fact, all of your good deeds done in the flesh will only cause you to reap more judgment upon yourself. We were all born in sin. We were all enemies of God. We were all separated from his holiness. You know, that's the bad news of the gospel. The great news of the gospel, though, is that the eternal son of God humiliated himself by becoming flesh, becoming like his own. He came to he came down from heaven, lived a sinless, perfect life obeyed the righteous demands of the Father. He died for all those who believe in him and was raised on the third day for their justification and will someday soon come again. Friends, that's the first step in being committed to Christ. You must believe in all of that. You must believe that Christ and him alone, his perfect work, his perfect sacrifice was enough to satisfy the wrath of God. You must not be committed to your own righteousness But as Luther would say, an alien righteousness, which is Christ's righteousness, you must be committed and place all of your faith in Christ and know that he has done it all. So if you say that you believe that Christ has done it all in order for you to have peace with God, then next I would ask or next ask yourself, am I living a life of daily obedience to God's law and what he has prescribed in his word? We'll come back to that. But that's something to ask yourselves. Am I obeying God's law? Am I obeying all that he commanded me to do in the Bible? But we will come back to that. In Matthew 22, a lawyer asked Jesus in verse 36 through 39, Teacher, which is the great commandment of the law? And he said to him, You shall love 
the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Friends, committed followers of Christ not only trust in Christ for their salvation, but they love Jesus. Do you love Jesus? I mean, do you really honestly can say that I love Jesus? Now, there are three ways in which we can show our love for Jesus. And the first way we can show our love, to, our love for Jesus, how we know we love Jesus, is by daily feasting on his word. If you say you love Jesus, then you are committed. You are daily reading the Bible. Friends, reading the Bible is so crucial to Christian growth and sanctification. And I would go so far in saying that there is no way that you can be a Christian if you are not reading the Bible at least once a week. At least once a week. I know many of you ask me, uh, what books are good for you to read? You know, should I read uh, this systematic theology? Should I read this book by John MacArthur or this book by John Piper? But quite honestly, if you're not reading the Bible, then don't bother reading any other theology books. And I'm just being really honest with you. I know we push for reading books and reading the dead guys and all that stuff. But if you're not reading the Bible, then don't worry about Calvin, Edward, Spurgeon. It doesn't matter what they say. It matters what Christ says, what Paul said. It's like, you know, if you wanted to start working out, you know, and to get muscle All you thought you can do or all you think you can do or all you want to do is drink protein shakes. Now, you're going to get some muscle, okay? However, you're not going to pack on the muscle that you so desire because what you need to have or what you need to put in your body is actual food, right? You need to have chicken breasts and, and steak and potatoes and things like that. So when we come to theology in the Bible... Theology books are only there to supplement your daily reading of the Bible. Okay? It's only there to explain, help you ex- help explain the various doctrines in the Bible. But friends, you have to open up the Bible and read it. And you don't be intimidated by the Bible. You know, the Bible has a story. You know, everything connects. Okay? And the one, the main theme of the Bible is one person, Christ. It's all about Christ, how the Old Testament promises Christ, how the New Testament, we see that that Christ is is revealed, you know, and the Old Testament promises are made and the New Testament promises are kept and they're all kept in Jesus Christ. So read your word. The deeper the knowledge we have of God's word, the more we grow in our love for Christ. Okay, so read your word. Another way we show that we have love for Christ is by daily prayer. No, and, and these are sort of the ABCs of Christianity, but many of us neglect these things. Many of us neglect reading the Bible, and many of us neglect prayer. If you ask one disciple in Jesus' time, you know, uh, Peter, John, what are the, what, what's one thing that you did the most with Jesus? What do you think they would say? They'd probably say pray. They would probably say pray, because they prayed a whole lot. They even asked Jesus, how should we pray? So friends, the privilege that we have in prayer is often neglected. The wonderful privilege that we have to come before the Father 
as if we're a little child and ask him and plead with him whatever that's on our hearts. That's an enormous, wonderful gift from God. We were once enemies of God. God would not hear our prayers. But now on the account of Christ, we have access to God. You know, you need to, we need to have a, a, a view of prayer that way. How before I was denied, now I'm freely given access on the account of Christ. And God will hear me. We can come to God unashamed and confident instead of fearful. Hebrews 4.16 tells us, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. 1 John 5.14, And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. You know, the great wonder of prayer is that God hears anyone at all. You know? But God has promised in his word that he will hear our prayers. Second Chronicles 7.14, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Great promises from God. Friends, committed followers of Christ, don't neglect prayer because through prayer we commune with Christ as well as the entire Godhead. We have fellowship with the triune God through prayer. And the last way we show that we are committed to Christ is by obeying his word. You know, obeying all that Christ has commanded us to do. We are commanded to obey his law. We are commanded to make disciples, to share the gospel, to love one another, to live a holy life. To live a life that mortifies the flesh. We are commanded to repent. Friends, committed followers of Christ, obey Christ's commands. Because he is our Lord. We are under his lordship. He is our king. He sets the rules for our lives. So you are commanded, so you are from Christ commanded to keep his word. To keep all that he has prescribed in his word. So we have to ask, if you are committed to that Christ, you know, you, if you are committed to the Jesus of the Bible, you know, not the Jesus of false promises that, that if you call on him, he will take care of all of your needs, but the Jesus of the Bible. So are you committed to Christ? And if you say that you're committed to Christ, then that should lead you in committing your life to the church. If you say that you are committed to Christ, then, you, then, then it should lead you in committing your life to the church. Followers of Christ always end up committing to the local church. So we looked at what, does a, what, what it looks like to, to be a follower of Christ and what it looks like to be committed to Christ. And we could have did a whole 10-week uh, lesson on that. But now we have to ask, what does it look like to be a committed church member? What does it look like to be a healthy, committed church member? And to help us, and when I say this, don't roll your eyes and don't pass out, but I have seven ways that, will, that can show us how or what committed members look like. Okay, Seven easy ways we can see how others can tell that you are committed to the local church. And I pray 
that these seven, seven ways are encouraging but also convicting, okay? Because none of us have this all down. I'll be the first one to raise my hand, okay? So let's stir each other up this, this evening, and let's help each other. Number one, what does a committed church member look like? They attend church regularly. They attend church regularly. They attend church frequently. I know some of us think that church is like our Sam's Club membership. Our church is like our Costco membership. Our church is like our gym membership. We can come when we want. We can go when we want. You know, it doesn't matter really when we go, just as long as we're there, right? But friends, this is the first and most important ministry of every Christian in the local church. Being present, being known, being active are always people can identify you as being a committed member. You know, Scripture cannot be any clearer on this fundamental responsibility. In fact, Scripture commands you that you should and need to attend church regularly. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. I hope that you are the former rather than the latter. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. Friends, we are commanded not to neglect the meeting of the saints. And part of that reasoning on why you shouldn't neglect meeting together as a church, you coming to church, is because there are some people in this church who desperately need you. There are some people in this church who desperately need to see you and who desperately need to hear from you. Maybe you've never thought of church that way. But Again, what does Hebrews 10, 24, 25 say? And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. And in verse 25, Paul says to encourage one another. This is all in the context of meeting together, not neglecting to meet together. Friends, some people desperately need to hear from you. They need to hear your encouragement. They need to hear your love and your wisdom. Have you ever thought about that? You know, how Patrick needs Louis to be here. You know, how Arnold needs Arturo to be here. Because we stir each other up in love and good works. We depend on each other. You know, I remember, I know, when me growing up, I, I heard that you come to church to receive a blessing. You know, but actually, you are the blessing. Because you come and you come and bless others with love, with encouragement, you know? Church is not about you. And we need to have a view of church that way. Church is not about you. Church is about God and his people. And when you don't attend church regularly, or if you choose to go hiking or go to a football game instead, instead of uh, going to church on the Lord's Day, then you're really showing how selfish and unhealthy you are as a church member. If you're missing the Lord's Day for a game or for, you know, things that can wait, you're showing how selfish you are. 
Because there are people here that need you. Number two, committed church members help preserve the gospel. Committed church members help preserve the gospel. Members, you are responsible. And I'm gonna, and I, if I could, I can say this in bold, um, italic, underlined words. You are responsible for protecting and preserving the gospel and the gospel's ministry in your local church. You are responsible for protecting and preserving the gospel and the gospel's ministry in your local church. Paul tells us, tells the Galatian Christians that they are to reject even apostles or angels who teach a false gospel. What that means is you as members of this local church are responsible for knowing the gospel in order that you may guard your local church from false gospels. So it's not up to me just to know the gospel or up to the elders or the deacons or to the people who uh, do RBC kids at the youth. All of you, every single one of you, if you say you're a member of this church, you are responsible for knowing the gospel and guarding the gospel. Friends, knowing and guarding the gospel is so important to the life of the local church because it shows that each member cares about the other member's spiritual souls. It really does. If each one of us know the gospel, then each one of us form a military against false gospels and false doctrines and false theologies. You know? So if Patrick doesn't know the gospel, it's my job to help him learn the gospel. So when someone comes who thinks that they know everything, preaches to him a false gospel, he'll know how to discern which gospel is correct? So you have to know the gospel. So we may protect this church in a city of false gospels, right? We're surrounded by churches who preach false doctrine and false gospels. We have to become, in a sense, a military against false gospels and false theologies, you know? <clears throat> So if you don't know the gospel, then I encourage you to study. Okay? Don't worry about learning about other things, you know, end times or baptism or anything like that. If you don't know the gospel, then get on knowing the gospel. And brothers and sisters, I'm here to help. You know, we have people in here who know the gospel. They're here to help. You know, don't be ashamed. Brother, I, I'm struggling with the gospel. Like Senior did the other day. I'm sorry, sister, for not meeting with you. But <laughs> Senior did Senior did on Wednesday. Um, no, on Sunday, she, she asked if, if we can meet to, to, uh, so she can give me her presentation of the gospel. You know, what humility that is, you know, what humility that is for her to say, you know, I'm not sure if I know this, I want to know this. I want to get this right. So can you help me? Number three, committed members involve themselves in the life of the church. Okay. Committed members involve themselves in the life of the church. Involving yourself in the life of the church, in the local, in your local church, doesn't mean you create cliques. Okay? That's not what that means. Okay? Or try to find someone in the church whom you can bond with and, and share similarities with. That's not what it means to involve yourself in the life of the church. Involving yourself in the life of the church 
means that you are getting to know all of your fellow church members. Every single one of them. Okay? I know some of us have our favorites. That's fine. But friends, get to know every single person in this local church. Okay? There should, be, there should never be someone sitting by themselves. And if you see someone sitting by themselves, even if you don't know anything about them, even if you don't share no similarities with them, go up to them and talk to them. You know, I had, I had uh, lunch a couple months back with our brother Albert. Me and Albert have nothing in common. Absolutely nothing in common. We live on two separate worlds. But you know what brings us together? Christ. You know what bonds us together? Christ. And all we talked about was the church, Jesus, the Bible. That's all you need to talk about. <clears throat> so it doesn't mean to create clicks. It doesn't mean to, to find someone whom you share similarities with. And it means that you need to get to know all of your fellow church members. And one way to involve yourself in the life of the church is when church is over, I know we like to just stand in our little areas, you know, you know, in our, in, our, in our areas that we think that we have claimed, like this is my area, you know. But friends, get out of your area. You know, get out of your seat. You know, if you're sitting right here, you should be ending over there. If you're sitting over there, you should end right here. You know, that, that's what it means to involve yourself in the life of the church. Go to someone that you've never talked to before. And tell them hi. You know, and, and if you do, just sit there and wait for someone to come tell you hi, then you're showing how selfish that you're being. Because then you're saying the whole church revolves around you. But as you need to make an effort to go out of your way and tell someone that you've never talked to before, hi. Get out of your seat. Go tell someone hi. And don't always go up to the same people. Want to know all of your church members. Friends, another way we can do this is start looking for ways and in including your fellow members into the regular rhythm of your life. I know, I know that's weird. That's awkward. But offer to take someone out to eat after church or during the week. Now open your home up for dinner or for breakfast. You know, open your home up for game night if you guys do game night. And find ways to involve yourself in the life of the church and, and, and find ways that you can involve others into your lives. Friends, we all need to have an open door. All of us need to have an open door. Okay? Break down your walls. Break down your barriers. You know, I tell you what, one of the things that, that's really blessed me over the years is outside of church, hanging out with church people. You know, that that is, has been so good for my sanctification process. You know? and, and that just means, hey, you want to go walk downtown for a minute? You want to go to a park and just hang out? I don't know, something. You know, but just, just to be there and have that fellowship, knowing that that brother loves me, he's going through the same thing I'm going through, man, it's such a blessing. Also, another way is to find out ways you can help your church out. You know, I'm so blessed by you women who have, who have wanted to help in the nursery. Men, that's open to you as well. Matter of fact, I encourage you, help in that nursery. I did last Wednesday, 
and they desperately need a male figure in that nursery. I'm being so serious, okay? It's not the women's job to do that, okay? Men, help out, okay? Help out in that department. I love what Paul says in Romans 12, verses 10 through 13. And, you know, I would read this. If I was you, I would read this before I come to, ser- before I come to service. Every Wednesday, every Sunday, I would read this. Love one another with brotherly affection, Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the need of the saints and seek to show hospitality. I would read that every single Wednesday and every single Sunday before service. Now pray that. You know, pray that. Paul is saying, do these things, not out of out of, hey, look at me. I'm showing hospitality, and I'm outdoing the other person. I, I think Paul is saying these things for you to be an example to others, for, to what it means to love your brothers and sisters in Christ. Friends, have you ever thought about ways that you can help out your brothers and sisters in Christ? You know, have you ever thought about ways in which you can help your brothers and sisters in Christ? You know, this right here is very important. This is our members directory. Every day you should be going to this and you should be strolling down and seeing who, who should I pray for today? Who, who, who do I know that's hurting? You know, who do I know that needs help? Oh, I remember, I remember this person told me about a struggle that he had the other day. Well, I don't have his number. Wait a minute. Yes, I do. I have his numbers right here. Or I don't have his email address. Well, I can just email him. You know, you need to have, you need to have and be thinking about your about your fellow brothers and sisters. You know, involve them in your prayer, involve them in your life. But also, I think giving financially to the local church is involving yourself in the local church. You know, giving financially to the local church is involving yourself in the local church. You know, pastor is scared to talk about money. I'm not scared to talk about money. No. You need to give to the local church. <clears throat> when you give your money freely to the local church, then you are involving yourself in helping keep the lights on as well as helping support widows, missionaries, those who are in need, special church events, things like that. You know, friends, we financially support many things in our lives, do we not? We support many things in our lives. We support Food Max and Walmart when we want to buy groceries. I personally help keep in and outs lights on. You know, I support many things financially. We support various clothing companies when we need new clothes. Friends, how much more should we financially support God's church? We say it, and it comes, it's sort of cliche now. Everything belongs to God. All of us say that. However, many of us don't really mean that. Because the one thing we prize the most is the very thing that we just can't give away. Our money. It's it's all going to fade away. And honestly, friends, I don't want to be in this building forever. I want want to expand. We want to expand. We want to have grass outside for the kids. And and, and we want to go do something, then we can have the money there to go do it. 
You know, let's say someone's in need. Someone needs a refrigerator. Man, you know what's this? Boom, here's the money. Go get it. You know, but that can't happen unless we are financially supporting the church. Okay? Uh, number four, attend member meetings. Attend member meetings. If you want to be a committed member, attend member meetings. Member meetings have been such a blessing in my life. I hope it's been into your life as well. Because it's a chance for you, the local congregation, it's a chance for you to speak up and speak out against certain things. We are a congregationalist church, and that's what we do. We, we come, we, we take votes on what we should spend our money on. We hear praise reports from fellow members. We hear what's going on in every department of the church and in which ways we can pray for them. But friends, if you're not here at a member meeting then you're not going to know what's happening in the church. You know, you would not miss a business meeting. I know for a fact, if your job called you for a business meeting, you would not miss that. You miss that, then you're toast. Or you would not miss a parent-teacher conference. That's just not happening. And likewise, if you say you're a member of this church, then you should never miss a member's meeting. Okay, never miss a member's meeting. And when you don't come to members' meetings, it shows the whole church, it shows the whole congregation how committed of a member you really are. Because if you won't come to a members', members meeting, then, man, you're not committed to this local church. Simple as that. Number five, committed church members seek ways to edify others. This is a big one. Committed members seek ways to edify others. The one constant purpose or goal of the public meeting of the church is mutual edification. What do I mean by that? The building each other up in the faith. That is the one goal for us to meet together. The building each other up in the faith. Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 16, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness or deceitful schemes. However, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head in Christ." from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the whole body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We are all members of one body. We are all members of one body. We all have a duty in building each other up in the faith in order that all of us may grow in maturity. I want, you, you have to want to see your fellow brother and sister in Christ grow and mature in the things of the Lord. You don't, you don't want them talking the same way they talked last year. You want to see them grow and develop. That's why, it's a, that's why we need to involve ourselves in the life of the, in life of the church you know, and, and know where each other are at spiritually. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. I know that's a big one for a lot of us. Let no corrupting talk come out of our mouths, 
but only such as is good for building up. As fits for occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Now, we should never, ever slander or talk about our fellow church member. Never. And if you are talking about them, then you need to repent. If you're talking about them in a bad way, you need to repent. And let's say you do talk about them in a bad way. You should end that conversation and say, you know what? I need to call that person. You know, I I need to pray for that person right now. Next time I see that person, I'm going to talk to that person. You know, let's, let's develop in this church what is called healthy gossip, positive gossip, okay? As church members, as, you, as a church member, next time when you talk to another member here, I would advise you to, instead of telling them how's work going or what you eat last night, or have you saw any cool movies lately? Ask them, in what areas do you need prayer in? Ask them, is there anything that you were studying in the Bible? You know, ask them if you have any praise reports or if they like to, or like to get together and read and have fellowship. You know, ask them those things. Ask them those questions. Go deeper than that surface level, uh, hey, how's your kids doing? You know, ask them about their spiritual walk. Get deeper Dig deeper into your guys' relationships. <clears throat> tell them about some of the things that you've been reading, you know, or some of the things that God's been placing on your heart. And then when you tell them those things, like, hey, brother, I've learned about, uh, I've, been le- I've been studying about prayer, you know, and uh, let, let me school you real quick. Don't come off that way. And, and don't come off like, you know, you're trying to be their teacher. But you should come off, hey, brother, you know, I've been studying about prayer, and this is opening my eyes to a lot of things. I think this will benefit you, you know. Have their best interests at heart and not your own. Okay? Friends, we have to understand that edification, building each other up, doesn't mean that we're just going around, we're being, you know, we're running around in the field of lilies and dandelions and all that, and we're just telling each other nice things and all this other stuff. I think you can also build someone up by pointing out unrepented sin. Okay? I think that's another great way of building someone up, is pointing out unrepented sin. Don't be scared to do that. You know, not being afraid to go out, you know, and and say to a brother or sister, hey, I think that there's some unrepentant sin in your life. And if they humble themselves, they'll know that you telling them that is coming from a pure place. Because the foundation of our relationships is love. So me, you telling me this, brother, you're, you're actually helping me in my sanctification walk. You know, Even if it's 95% false, that 5% you might need. You might need. I love the story of, of John Wesley. Uh, it's been said that one day Wesley was at the breakfast table with a bunch of ministers in London and a young man said something very critical of Wesley. You know, this, this young whippersnapper just said something about Wesley that was very critical of him. And the old ministers who were close friends of Wesley rebuked the young man for speaking up and saying, you know, something about Wesley. Wesley immediately erupts them and says, I, count, I will count as my best friend the man around this table who will tell me frankly about my sins. 
You know, ancient Greek proverbs would say that the opposite of a friend isn't an enemy. It's a flatterer. You know, flattering people whom you know are living in unrepentant sin won't do them any spiritual good. It's only going to hurt them. Friends, we need to have that type of love and relationship with one another. And committed members strive to build that type of relationship with their fellow members. Also, friends, learn ways on how you can carry each other's burdens and lighten the load of other members. If you know that someone is struggling financially, offer to take them to take them out to dinner a couple nights. Offer to make them dinner. You know, help learn how or want to lighten the load of people whom you know are going through things. Lighten their burdens. Hey, you know what? Why don't you and your wife, why don't you guys go have a little a, a little picnic or whatever? I'll take care of your kid. Those are those are things, man, that go a long way. They go a long way. Just little things like that. A healthy and, and committed church member comes to serve and help and care for the spiritual well-being of each member's lives. Six, committed members follow their leaders. Hebrews thirteen seventeen says, Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work may be joy, be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. Friends, committed members help make their leaders' jobs enjoyable. Committed members uplift their leaders. They encourage their leaders. You know, one of the ways that you can really encourage your elders and pastors, you want to know one way, is after they're done speaking, go and tell them, brother, I was really encouraged by that. I was, on, I was really encouraged by that. That was such a great message. You know, even if you got... You know, one little thing out of it. Hey, you got something out of it. Friends, preparing a sermon is not as easy as you think. It's not as easy as you think. It's very time consuming as well as mentally. It can be very draining. Very draining. Encourage and thank your elders and pastors for their time and for their study that they put in to feed your souls. Here's a quote from, and I read this uh, when we were doing that little thing for pastor. But here's a quote from a Presbyterian minister, Edward Griffin. He said, for your own sake and children's sake, cherish and revere him whom you've chosen to be your pastor. Already he loves you and he will soon love you as bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. It will be equally your duty and interest to make his labors as pleasant to him as possible. Do not demand too much. Do not require visits too frequent. Should he spend in this way half the time, which some should demand, he must wholly neglect his studies or not sink early in the burden. Do not report to him all the unkind things which may be said against him, nor frequently in his presence alone. Though he is a minister of Christ, consider he has the feelings of a man. If someone told you about Reformation Bible Church, you know, someone who goes to another church and they're talking about pastors, talking about me, you don't need to come to me and tell me. You, You honestly don't. And a lot of times when you do that, you're actually saying, hey, pastor, look at me. I stood up for you. You don't need to tell a pastor that. You don't need to tell me that. You don't need to tell other members that. If, you know, if you, if you hear someone talking about your fellow brother in Christ, sister in Christ, you don't need to tell that person. Just keep that to yourself and say, you know what, I'll pray for that person. You know, some things are better left unsaid. Because if they're like me, man, my mind's going to start tripping. What? When they say that, what, where they live, what's their number? 
What's your email address? No, we don't need to do all that. Members, I hope you have that type of view of your elders and pastors. Make their job enjoyable. Put it in layman terms. Don't be drama. Don't be drama. But if you are drama, we are here to help. We are here to help. And seventh and last way, committed members love other members. Okay? The seventh and last, last way, committed members love other members. Jesus said in John 13, 35, 34, 35, a new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so also you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Friends, being committed to the local church must be rooted in love. First, our love for Christ must compel us not only to love the church, but to love the people whom Christ has gathered inside the church. You know, do you genuinely love the person who's sitting behind you? Because a lot of people, you guys are sitting next to your brother and sister and, and, and wife. But do you love the person sitting behind you or the person who's sitting opposite of you? Like, do you genuinely love them? That's something you have to ask yourselves. A healthy church member is one who is committed to expressing love toward other Christians. You know, and one of the ways we can express our love toward other Christians is by pointing out our flaws when we have them. You know, I did something totally horrible um, to, to Jojo and Melissa and to Patrick and Nicole, and I immediately text them and I said, you know what, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I hope you don't see me in any other way. You know, I genuinely love you and I genuinely care for you. We all make mistakes, guys. We all make mistakes. Let's be humble to point out our flaws and our mistakes, you know, because we all we want to see each other grow in maturity and grow in love. And the best place for Christians to love this way is in the assembly of God's people called the local church. The local church is the place where love is the most visibly and compellingly displayed amongst God's people. So friends, if you want to be a healthy, committed church member, love Christ's people. Love Christ's people. So in closing, how can you be a, health, a healthy, committed church member? By first being committed to Christ. First commit yourself to Christ. And your commitment to following Jesus will propel your commitment to his bride, the church. So members, if you are here this evening, and even non-members, ask yourselves, am I a committed member? Am I a committed member to this local church? You know, am I attending church regularly? Am I helping my fellow members learn the gospel? Am I helping guard and protect the gospel? Am I involving myself in the life of the church? Am I trying to know all of my brothers and sisters in Christ? And am I wanting to help in every area of the church? And am I giving to the church in order to further advance the gospel? Am I attending church meetings in order that I may know what's happening in the local church? Am I helping the edification and building up of the saints? Am I helping my brothers and sisters in Christ in their Christian walk? Am I making my leader's job enjoyable and not burdensome? And lastly, do I love God's people? Am I showing the type of love to my fellow church members that Christ has shown to me? An unselfish, unconditional love. Friends, your commitment to this local church must not be out of duty, but out of love. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this wonderful time. I pray that that was some encouragement to your people. 
Lord, help us all in our commitment to you and to the local church. Forgive me for my sins. Father, forgive them for their sins. All the wrongs that I have done to members, all the wrongs that they have done to me, all the wrongs that members have done to each other. Lord, let us grow as one body. Help us, Holy Spirit. Be with us, guide us. Be with your people as we leave. In Christ's name, amen.